we've been doing some watching of TV, movies, cute girls, trains, birds, lots of things. But on this podcast, we specifically talk about the TV shows and movies we've watched. We're talking about the following, listed in no particular order. New UK comedy Breeders, New Australian drama Stateless, New American comedy AJ and the Queen, and Lego Masters, a British format adapted for the US and based on a Danish interlocking brick toy. This is Always Be Watching, the cultural melting pot of TV podcasting. You really got to run these intros by me so I can veto them. <laughs> it's good to be here, Dan. How are you? Oh, look, it's. I mean, I was happy to be here, but after that little scathing bit of criticism, I'm not so sure. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> Doesn't take long uh, for me to find something to complain about in life and in this podcast. You're a monster. Uh, it's been a big week for tele- Your children are right. <laughs> it's been a big week for uh, watching television, for me. I'd like to say the same, but when it came to actually doing this here podcast, I scratched around and thought, what the heck can I actually talk about? Because I saw a few things that don't air or get screened in cinemas for a couple of weeks. So I've actually done some pre-advanced work. Nothing I could talk about this week, but I came across some really stonking good stuff to chat about. Excellent. Future Dan is also being taken care of then, um, because you'll be able to talk about that stuff in the future. Maybe, but Future Dan has a very bad memory. And so when it comes (laughs) to three weeks from now... Yeah, it's going to be rough. Um, do you need to talk, tell people about what the podcast is and does? Uh, I mean, I kind of said that right at the beginning. But like, okay, let's say that you are part of an, and I didn't script anything for this, but <laughs> let's say that you're part of an international... And nobody can tell. Chris. <laughs> let's say that you're part of, like, say, a worldwide health organization. Yep. Okay. You've got some people. They're housebound. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot to do. You've gone into their apartment, their disease-ridden household, because they've got the corona. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you're like, dude, you've got the corona. You're going to have to stay in this house now for the next 90 days. They're looking at you. They're crestfallen because they thought, I thought it was just a cough. Okay, <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't just a cough. You have the corona. And so, as you're both like staring off in the distance, as you're trying to work out what to converse about now... You're like, there's some opportunities to watch some TV. And he'd be like, oh, that's that's a good thought. Have you got any recommendations? And then that's where the... That's where this banter would come in handy. Exactly. And so this podcast tries to capture the spirit of realizing that you've lost your life to the coronavirus. Yes. Not, not your actual life, because it's only a 90-day housebound. That's right. Yeah. But even so, it's and, not um, ideal. We're housebound just out of choice, really. Yeah. Uh, nobody's forcing us to stay here. We just don't like doing stuff. No, I'm actually looking forward to the corona because it's basically being able to be the shut-in that I've been training for. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Mm. A total excuse for that. Uh, and you've done a good job of training so far. Uh, well, I would say that, but you you have a job and things. You're a, you're a functioning shut-in. Oh, I mean, I function. <laughs> but definitely emphasis on the shut-in. Um, Chris Yates. Yes, Dan. As, as we try indoctrinating people to our way of life, what if you kick things off with the very first recommendation of something that people should be checking out? I have watched the first episode of a brand new show on the Netflix called AJ and the Queen. What's that big cake for? Oh, that's for you and Hector Hot Sauce. <laughs> well, I don't eat cake and he's not here. Oh, well, I guess it's for me then. <laughs> You're diabetic. Uh, a diabetic person can eat anything anyone else can eat. They just have to be far more careful about it. Now, that's a quote from the WebMD, so you know it's true. Uh-huh. Interesting you could read all that you being blind and all. Don't put limits on me, bitch. They got Braille computers at the library. Now, be quiet and hand me a damn cake knife. 
Chris, AJ and the Queen. I'm curious. Uh, I know this is a RuPaul-related uh, thing, like RuPaul produced the show, I think. I believe RuPaul produced the show. Uh, RuPaul is also the creator, the executive producer, and the star of the proceedings. RuPaul, that's a functioning person. Yes, RuPaul is an extremely high-functioning person. I have no idea how RuPaul manages to do all the things that they do. Mm. Uh, so, yes, this is a drama show, or dra- a dramedy, as I like to uh, like to call it, as opposed to the um, RuPaul Drag Race reality TV extravaganza that we all know and love. Yes, so I've never actually watched it. <laughs> I'm shocked. Um, <laughs> shocked to hear that because I know how much you love reality TV. Well, this is the thing. So it touches on like reality TV. We discussed Terrace House last week. So maybe I've become a convert on a reality TV. Yeah. But I've never really understood drag. And it's okay because drag's not actually for me. Right. Like, I'm cool for people to enjoy drag <laughs> right. and go out there, but I've never really been able to find the joy in it myself. Like, it's very flamboyant, and I'm, I'm not a flamboyant guy. That's, that's just such a... You shouldn't be so harsh on yourself as you stand there in your various shades of grey. <laughs> and my sequins and my feathers. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I... Grey sequins, grey feathers. I understand, Dan. Uh, it's not for everybody, but the people that do like it really, really like it. I've watched heaps of, uh, heaps of seasons of the various drag race, and I find it incredible extremely entertaining. I'm also just endlessly impressed with RuPaul as a, um, you know, a human and as a sort of performer and as a television host. Uh, Obviously an extremely confident person who just does very, very well in everything they try to do. What I'm impressed by with RuPaul is how long RuPaul's been a presence within pop culture. Totally. So I can't even think of a time where RuPaul hasn't at least been known. Like, there's obviously never been a time where RuPaul has been bigger no, I think this is peak RuPaul right now. There was a tour of the, uh, there was a very uh, interesting tour of a bunch of the people from Drag Race came out here that was so, I, I had some friends who went and were very disappointed that RuPaul themselves weren't there. Such was the way it was advertised. It was quite, it was almost misleading. Mm. Um, whereas there were still heaps of the uh, people from the last few seasons and they still, of course, had a great time. But like it's that should like, be enough because that's, that's still. <laughs> it's huge. Know, but the, uh, but, but I guess the sort of the cult of RuPaul is so huge that uh, you know it, it, you can put the name on things on the, on it like that, and people get very excited about it. People would love to you know just see them in the person. Yeah, well, what I'm impressed by with longevity of RuPaul is that first of all, to be able to maintain a place in a public spotlight like that, like that's pretty impressive in yes. its own right. But also, we're probably at a time now where RuPaul, as an entertainer, like we're probably talking about like maybe since the early '80s. Like, I'm guessing RuPaul was probably part of that New York drag scene. I think so. Originally. The, Is that the-, the first thing, there was a pop song, uh, there was a big hit in the, like, I'm going to say early 90s. Yeah. That really um, put RuPaul on the, you know, it was a spotlight. It was that was a, There was a massive pop song, basically. Yeah, and but there was, was, was probably a build-up to that Definitely, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly sure of the, of the origins of... But I mean, I'm thinking that. that if you think about the way that uh, I'm going to sort of frame it in like sort of feminism terms here, but like it certainly um, like transfers to LGBTQI sort of uh, like culturally like engaged people as well, which is that if you think about the way that feminism works in waves, there's a amount of um, fighting that people need to do to get a certain stature. But when that next generation come along, they have a different perception as to the battles and the fights that needs to happen. Yeah, sure. And they often reject a lot of the approaches that have been taken by previous generations. But Rup, like, and I can't really speak to what's happening necessarily, like within, and I'll say maybe even just like the drag sort of communities. Yeah. Okay. But surely there's new generations that have come up, which you'd think that probably be rejected in the ways of old. But RuPaul seems to have evolved like his 
thinking and his position within the community to still be a really vibrant, important voice there? Yeah, it's really interesting. There was some controversy last year, I think, when uh, RuPaul made some comments about trans people and drag and things that didn't go down too well, mm. but I think um, was quick to kind of learn from that scenario and change um, perspective and certainly um, changed the way that that was uh, discussed and even dealt with in the Drag Race show. I think the Drag Race show must be a massive industry all on its own. Like it's it's either one or two seasons a year. They might even be two a year. Oh yeah, that show is incredibly um, massive. Turns people like it, the people that are on it become you know celebrities in their own right and are able to go and tour the world and all and many many do not just the winners. There were a couple of spin-off shows along the way as well. Yeah, that's right. And then there's all other kinds of um and it's just such an amazing formula to watch and it's just so well kind of. Um, uh, it's so well put together, and um, yeah, it's 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 an absolute breeze to watch. You can tell they're kind of they they go through the motions now making it, but that's not at all in any way a criticism of it. I think it's just points to this how successful the format is and how easy it is to sort of make it work if you get the right people in. But that's the thing with the format. Like once it becomes a world yeah. machine, it just has to be here on being a machine. But something that's not a machine is this new Netflix show. Yes. So like uh, there's pretty much a rule in my house with my partner only watching um, LGBTIQ content. That's just kind of a, a, a recent uh, a recent development as in the last few years. But um, you will have noticed that I have watched quite a few of the various programs that have um, popped up on Netflix and the like because I am watching them with my partner. And uh, generally just extremely uh, enjoy them. I had no idea about this show and I sort of sat down to watch it without having any um, preconceptions of it, which is good. So basically it is a dramatised story of a, it's it's a modern, uh, it's set in the modern time and it uh, stars a successful um, drag queen played by RuPaul who is kind of come to the end of a, a career at a particular club and has is going out on their own to start a new club where they will be the boss and they will be able to call the shots and um, doing this with this the support of a, a very uh, wealthy partner who uh, perhaps in the first episode about 30 seconds in is it, it's kind of apparent that they're not maybe who they're cracked up to be and that it's all going to end in disaster and luckily that happens before the end of the first episode and we're not dragged out. It's not dragged out over the whole season. So, um, yes, so it's uh, a bit of a spoiler, but it's completely apparent that the person is a scammer and is about to take all the money that has been saved. And, uh, yes, leaving our hero um, somewhat, uh, not destitute, but in a position where they burned their bridges when they left the club they were at, see you losers later, never coming back here again. And now not having the new club to go to and realising the uh, position that they are now in at the end of the first episode. But I'm missing a crucial part, which is the AJ in question, who is a young homeless girl who lives in the um, same building as uh, RuPaul's character. And, Maybe the um, titular queen. And I believe the show is going to, uh, you know, base itself around the relationship of these two people and who are both trying to get somewhere out of life with a particular shitty hand that they've been dealt. Now, I haven't really sort of read that much into the show, but is it a road, like a road trip comedy? Uh, I believe... I've been misled somewhere. Maybe. Yes, no, I think that is exactly what happened at, this, at the end of the first episode. I believe the... Um, yes, after the establishment of the original... Uh, the, the story of which I've just ruined for everybody, um, it does turn into a road trip where the um, are going out on the... You know, the, the sort of the, like the pageant tour to um, try and uh, get some money together to, to, to try and get out of the hole. That um, Sorry, how old's the girl? 
uh, like 10 or something. Okay. Know. Like a young kid who's been left at home, um, you know, been in and out of foster care and has um, parents have left and is... Yes, just sort of squatting in this flat. Because, yeah, I didn't realise the show dealt with pageant culture, which I'm deeply fascinated by. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if that's a correct word. For, you know you, you know what I mean. Like, that's, that's yeah. sort of travelling, uh, the, the travelling drag shows, I guess. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you were talking about, like, sort of Young Beauty Queen. No, no, for that. No, it's the, gotcha, um, yes, yes. It's the, the drag really? element of that that tours around. And, you know, there's different prizes in each city and all that kind of thing. So Now I'm disappointed because no. I was hoping for <laughs> some uh, dealings well, with, like, sort of crazy stage moms and all that kind of thing as well. Well, who knows where it's going to go. Uh, that that could well be a possibility. It's, it's hard to tell at this sort of point um, what the actual, you know, how the two characters are going to function together, whether they're just there to sort of explore each other's experience in the world or whether they will uh, come together and work in, together in something like that. Because yeah, um, in, in my <laughs> mind, I just created, like, just an amazing show with uh, drag culture meeting like the young beauty queen pageant culture <laughs> which and I think really, that's a great combination yeah but, it's really not yeah. much there's not much of a stretch really is there it, it's definitely a show made for RuPaul fans I think like mm. you know it's and it's even a little bit hard it's a bit hard when you start watching it to kind of divorce yourself from the idea that RuPaul is this extremely famous um, articulate uh, beautiful person who is very famous in their own right but so you know when a, you, know, you get a really famous actor trying to play a character like that it can sometimes oh, is there actually RuPaul in it <laughs> yeah 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 oh, sorry, I didn't realise that I yeah, RuPaul so no, RuPaul the is the main is the main um, actor. So oh, it's, okay. it's like uh, is the drag queen yeah. in question. So yeah, it's uh, you know you got to get past that to sort of be like, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to go and enjoy this as a character. And um, yeah, that that takes a little while. But look, if you're a if you're a fan of RuPaul, you've already watched probably the whole season. It's very very it's very very watchable. Um, it's cheesy as hell, but um, <laughs> you know I think it's 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 definitely a cool story to be told. And yes, in- incredibly easy to watch bubblegum TV. Hmm. Probably about all I got to say on it, Dan. Uh, it's currently streaming on Netflix. Currently streaming on Netflix. Started on January the 20th or something like that. So it's even quite new, especially by the standards of shows that which I talk to on this podcast to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Now, I woke up this morning and I sent you a text because you're the first thing I do when I mm-hmm. wake up in the morning. Appreciate and it. I, s- <laughs> I sent you a text with the two shows I plan on talking about here this afternoon. The problem is that between then and now, I actually like changed my shows dramatically from what I was going to talk about. Oh, great. To the point where I actually forgot to include one of them in my intro. Ah, yes. Okay, right. so I'm going to talk to you about a new Netflix comedy. It's seven episodes long. It's episodes between 19 and 24 minutes. It's the perfect length. I'm talking about the show. I'm not okay with this. What, what show? Uh, dropping in a clip. <laughs> Chris. I wanted to make it. Sorry, what was he joking? No, no, was no, it a good one? No, it wasn't good. Okay. So here's the deal. Today, I almost convinced myself that I made Bradley Lewis's nosebleed with my mind. Right. Mostly, I just need to chill out more. I am not losing my first and only very best friend ever. I'm happy for Dina. And if dating Bradley Dickhead Lewis makes her happy, then I guess I'm okay with it. Oh, hey, Sid! Hey. Stanley Barber. He lives down the street from me. Where I feel shitty about basically everything about myself, Stan is the master of zero fucks. Chris, are you aware of this show? Yeah, it dropped halfway through the week last week, and I think people online are starting to get excited about it. Uh, I'm not excited about it, but that's only because I'm only hearing about it for the very first time right now. Okay, so about two or three years ago, Netflix dropped a series out of nowhere, British program called... The End of the Fucking World, mm-hmm. which I believe you haven't seen. 
Correct. Because I asked you about this a couple of weeks ago, and you're like, I don't know what that is. No, and I feel like it's one of those shows you tell me to watch a bunch of times, and I go, oh, yeah, I'll get around to that, and then I just forget about it instantly. And then, like, four years later, you come across it. <laughs> yeah, and then try to tell you about it. It's genuinely a good show that you'll really quite dig. Okay. Uh, this is from... Okay, so that was based on a graphic novel mm-hmm. by this guy named Charles S. Foreman. Forsman. That's probably where you lost me, but no, no, I'm just well, kidding. When you watch it, like, I don't think most people realize it was based on a graphic novel, and I'll be honest, I am reasonably well across graphic novels. I'd never heard of the original book. You call them graphic novels for starters. That's how much well, you like them. There's a difference between a comic book and a graphic novel. This right. was written as an actual novel. Right. Okay, as opposed to a periodical. Okay, sure. Mm. Anyway, he had another book apparently, and that's what this is based on. So again, the title of this is I'm Not Okay With This. The star of it is uh, Lily, gosh, what's her name? Sophia Lillis? She's an actress that I'm not that familiar with, but she was in the TV, well, TV in the two movies based on it that have oh, been yes. out in the last couple of years. Uh, she was also in Sharp Objects, and mm. I believe that she might have been Nancy Drew in the recent Nancy Drew in a Hidden Staircase, mm. which I'm sure you'd be well across. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, she's fantastic in this. Like the entire series hinges upon her. She's a I'm going to say like 16, 17 year old girl living in Pennsylvania. Uh, she's uh, clearly someone who is. Uh, she she doesn't really understand her sexuality yet, but when she figures it out, and she does in the seven episodes of this, definitely her best friend that she's interested in. Uh, there's a guy who's very interested in her, and she can't understand why it is that she isn't interested in him. Because right. he ticks a lot of boxes, yeah. and he's very nice and pleasant, but it doesn't seem to quite connect, and she <laughs> doesn't can't really quite latch in exactly why, but she kind of knows as well. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, is that she's very angry. Her dad had committed suicide within the last year. And she's got a lot of residual anger about that. Her mother is a lady who works 60 hours a week in a local diner. And so a lot of like the household pressure is being placed on her to look after the family in terms of cooking meals. That's the mother, the daughter, and the little brother that lives in the house. So she's just dealing with like a lot of pressure in her life. And she's starting to exhibit like a certain level of superpowers. Like, sort of telekinetic powers. Right. So when she gets really angry and upset at the world, like, suddenly they just come into... Like they Matilda. Manifest. Like Matilda. Excellent. It sounds exactly like a cross between an edgy John Hughes film and Matilda. Well, they even do the requisite Breakfast Club type episode yeah, yeah, at one sure. point, which I was a little annoyed by. I kind of like that this is a modern day show. It's got, uh, what's his name, Sean Levy, who was the producer of Stranger Things and had directed the Night at the Museum films and right. a few other bits of garbage around the place. Uh, but when I heard that it was him making it, I kind of thought this would be like an 80s period thing. But it's only sort of 80s period, well, 80s, 90s period, in the sense that, you know, they kind of feel like any show geared towards young people today always have to have like a 90s soundtrack attached to it. Sure, sure. Like, I'm sure I heard like a Pixie song in there. Or, right. You know, there was some Cure and, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all that kind of gear going on. Uh, but it's incredibly charming. And I sat down with the idea I'd watch one or two episodes so I could talk about it on the podcast. And before I noticed, I'd watch all seven episodes. <laughs> yeah, right. It's so much fun, and the last episode has a moment in it which triggered so much delight in me. (laughs) I was actually laughing. Like, I didn't just laugh out loud. I was laughing out loud on my couch for a good minute and a half, two minutes, when my wife, who was literally, like, rather sick at the moment, not Corona. No, not Corona. Not Corona. She's just unwell. Uh, She got out of her sickbed and walked over to find out what it was that I was up to, because I was quite loud. You were clearly getting up to mischief if you were making, if you were enjoying life so much. There were shenanigans going on. Oh, well, this is good. I haven't seen you so happy in quite a while. Uh, Not since I last talked about the good wife. (laughs) Yeah, which was only probably 10 minutes ago. Yeah, it was on the way in. Before we started this. But, uh, oh, that's excellent to hear. Yeah. But anyway, 
Really good show. And I'm going to segue my conversation before I ask you what you've been watching to talk about another comedy that I've seen recently, mm-hmm. which is a show called Breeders. I don't want to be in a fire. Of course you don't. The last thing anyone wants, that or drowning. Not drowning. That's not going to happen to us, okay? Okay. Seriously, mate. Seriously, we are safe here. My job, Mummy's job, is to keep you and Ava safe. It's always been our job. That's like our only job. That's what mums and dads are for. So, Chris, breeders I want to talk about in conjunction with you, I'm not okay with this, because mm-hmm. they tell a very similar kind of a... Uh, th- there's a similar story that I want to talk about within both of them. So, breeders is, and I'll read the logline from IMDb, it's <laughs> a comedic look at the trials and tribulations of parenthood. I like this quote here. It's better... Um this is from, I don't even know what, Google. Breeders explores the paradox experienced by nearly all parents, the willingness to die for one's children coupled with the near-constant desire to kill them. And yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely sort of present <laughs> within the it's first half funny. hour of this. Uh, so this is a brand new show. It debuts in the US, I think, in the next sort of 24 hours. And I think likewise in the UK. In Australia, we get it on Foxtel, I want to say on Fox 1 maybe, as of Monday next week. Uh, this, this stars Martin Freeman in the lead role. Uh, Martin Freeman, you'd know from... From the second best uh, Office version of The Office. What are you talking about? So there's the US version, there's the French version. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen the French version. That sounds great. That's uh, Le something or other. <laughs> Le, Le Office. Uh, I was just making a joke about how the American Office is it's better superior. than the British Office. That's a fact at this point, I think. I think so. Uh, the female- People still want to fight me about it in pubs when I bring it up. <laughs> They're wrong. I know. Yeah. We know. Uh, <laughs> the female lead is Daisy Haggard, but more interesting is maybe the writers and creators of this. Mm-hmm. So, listed as a creator is Martin Freeman, mm-hmm. but he worked on it with Chris Addison and Simon Blackwell from The Thick of It. Ah. And Simon Blackwell's obviously had some other credits that impressed the two of us, so he worked on some Peep Show. Mm-hmm. And also, he was a co-creator of Back, which was oh, the yes. follow-up series to Peep Show. Yes. Which I didn't even watch all of. That's a criminal that I didn't really. There I've was only get six back episodes. It was three years ago. And season two, which is announced two and a bit years ago, will be back in the next couple of weeks. Oh, cool. Well, well maybe next few no, months. No, I did watch it all, but it, well, yeah, it was a while ago and I watched it in a flurry, so well, I don't has really been remember like three it. three years. Yeah, wow. Well, that's good that they're doing another series. Mm, definitely. But anyway, uh, the thing with Breeders is that half-hour show, and it's, the first episode is about the fact that the kids won't go to sleep. Yep. Okay, and so they're up throughout the night just trying to work out why it is that... Well, they know why the kids are up, but, you know, what it is the mother and father can do to keep the kids asleep while getting some sleep themselves and make it through the night. The problem I had with it was that the entire show is built so much around the idea that if you're a parent, you can totally relate to what's going on here. Me, childless Baron Dan. <laughs> like, I just don't really have an in with this, and they don't really make it easy enough for people who aren't really able to sympathize entirely with their plight to really care that much. Sure. The problem with the show is that, not that I couldn't necessarily relate to it, but I also just found that a lot of the behaviors, particularly the Martin Freeman character, was just so much beyond what a real person actually does, that it didn't really quite feel like something that had any sort of real level of uh, relatability and humanness to it. Like, it kind of feels human, and if you are someone who relates to it, you can go, oh, well, it's a little bit over the top, but, you know, I totally relate to that. And the over the topness probably works in that situation, but if you don't have that direct in, 
it just feels like it's a little bit too much. Yeah. And I literally watched this straight off the back of watching the previous show that I was talking about. Which you loved. Which I loved. And while that was suddenly a little bit broad with like some supernatural stuff happening in it, like the essential core of the characters was just so human and relatable across all seven episodes. And it was just so beautifully grounded that to suddenly see like this sort of British guy just a little bit over the top. And yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You know. It's just, it was a little bit painful to watch. And I think maybe the show suffered a little bit just in that point of comparison that I had. So if you're kind of a fan of Martin Freeman or you like the other guys involved in making the show, definitely check this out. But I definitely found myself a little disappointed by what it had to offer versus what I think it could have been. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like the I like the sound of it, and it seems like the kind of garbage I watch all the time, so I'm sure I'll watch it. Oh, look, absolutely. And, like, I'm not saying don't watch it, but I just found there was definitely, you know, elements that would have been a little bit more sort of uh, connectable for me. I'm not okay with this as a Netflix show, and it's streaming now. And then Breeders, by the time you listen to this podcast, it's going to be available in the UK and the US, uh, in the US on FX, I'm not sure where the UK is. I want to say it's on the Sky uh, cable service. And in Australia, it'll be on Foxtel, I think on Fox 1 coming this Monday. Excellent. Chris Yates, what have you watched? Uh, I have been watching a little program called Lego Masters, the US series. Is it Lego Masters US? I, don't, I think it's just called Lego Masters. You'll have to will your blocks back into the gallery before the clock strikes zero. Moving. Okay. We're moving! Okay, I can't really see. Oh my god. Oh no. Cinderella lost her shoe and breaks into a thousand pieces. We didn't have as many fairy tale stories to tell as we hoped to, and now we've lost another one. This is devastating. They had a big bump. I don't remember how it was put together. Look, look. Just try. It took me an hour to put it together the first time. Oh man. We're gonna need a miracle to stay in this competition. Chris, in Australia, we've got Hamish or Andy. I think it's Hamish. Hamish, yes. In the US. Will Arnett. Hey. Uh, the voice of Lego Batman. Uh, brought in for that exact reason, um, I would imagine. That makes sense. Uh, Lego Masters is a fantastic format for a show. I believe it was started in the UK and it was pretty... The UK season, I watched a fair bit of it, but it was pretty dry. Uh, the Australian version improved on it in many, many ways, uh, mostly with... Uh, Hamish was fantastic in it and very pithy and very funny and... Uh, at once pointed out the ridiculousness, or at the same time was able to point out the ridiculousness of a show with a bunch of adults playing with Lego and also be very uh, genuine and and supportive and appreciative of the fact that this is a really big deal to these people and that they, they now, love it. Now, when I think about the two types of personalities that we're talking here about, Hamish versus uh, Will Arnett, Hamish is a very sort of relatable, earthy guy, whereas Will Arnett is a very sort of loud, bombastic person who keeps a fair bit of distance from everyone around him. <laughs> yes. What do we get here? Well, I, I think he has watched the Australian series very closely because he's playing it really, really similar to the way uh, Hamish played it, as in um, lots of jokes about the format. So lots of the thing Hamish did was really funny, was made a lot of jokes about the fact that it was this really weird reality show format where, you know, for the, 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 the actual um, competitions take between eight and 12 hours to, to happen, and most of the time he's just kind of standing around there. Is it the way it's presented? I'm sure he's not actually there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But um, lots of jokes about the format, lots of jokes about the cutbacks and that kind of stuff, which really worked well and which um, Will Arnett's doing a very good job of as well. He also is not a massive, uh, not a massive Lego person themselves. Like I think it would have been 
uh, the, the obvious thing would have seen would have been to get a celebrity who was a big Lego fan that could talk about it a bit more. But I think having a bit of wide-eyed curiosity about it actually really, which is, uh, you know, the, the perspective of which most people will be watching it, I'd imagine. And I presume that was the perspective Hamish had for the most part. That was the perspective Hamish had, and, yeah. and, and Will's definitely taken that on as well. And it's it's this really interesting balance of, like I say, making fun of people, making fun of grown-ups for playing with kids' toys, and then, like, really respecting that people are passionate about this. And highly skilled, like it's a really interesting, creative kind of format. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to oversell this Lego uh, US series too much, but I will say. Sorry, it's... before you go any further, <laughs> yeah. I noticed that you didn't give any declarations before we started the segment. I think uh, you need to actively say that you are an A4. I'm a fan of Lego, no, and, I, and I'm an adult, an adult <laughs> fan of Lego. So I guess I guess, guess I do qualify. Um, I do have children though, so like I don't play Lego by myself very much anymore. But before the I mean, build came... with, with, with with bricks play. Before the little guys uh, came along, though. Yeah, all right. I did have a, I did have a little <laughs> collection, a, a growing collection. Yeah. Which now curses they get to play with. Yes, and it's and it's fair enough to make that uh, qualification before my next statement, which is that Lego Masters. <laughs> US is clearly the greatest television show I have ever seen. It is so good. Um, I, fe- I feel like the, they've learned from the Australian format, definitely, and they've they've tweaked it a little bit and adjusted a little bit. But mostly, it's the same. Like it's really, really similar. Having said that, um, they have one of the uh, one of the hosts. I can't remember if she was on the um, on the uh, British. Ver- oh, on the Australian version, I don't. I feel like she wasn't, but anyway, she was definitely on the um, British one, and she's a head designer from Denmark who was very probably her first time on television, I'd imagine, in the U- in the UK version, and was very kind of stilted and didn't have a great rapport with the contestants. And she's come a long way and is really doing a great job to uh, show her enthusiasm for their builds as well as. Um, uh, you know, a, a, a bit of pathos and a bit of, and obviously a massive fan. And then there's the other sort of co-host or judge is a, because um, they sort of do a dual purpose, um, is a, an American Lego designer who is uh, also not without charm. <laughs> um, none of which, of course, uh, compares to, to Will. A, re- a really cool, just very small technical thing that they've done differently um, to the Australian one, which is very cute, is when they go to the shot of each contestant's little Lego build they animate them a little bit so it has a little bit of stop start animation in the sort of description of it which I thought was excellent um, and worked really you know it makes perfect sense with um, when you're working with that stuff because it's so easy to stop start animate it Um, but yes I think I've watched everything that's available which is about four episodes and it's just so good the contestants look fantastic and it's just paced really well and um, yeah, really working. The Australian one's only a short number of episodes as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it's only like something like eight episodes altogether. I think yeah. um, I, I wasn't, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the next series in Australia is a little bit longer because it was extremely successful here. I hope that they don't because I think there's really something to be said for Me just too. having a short number of episodes. And that way it lets you sort of extend the life of the show a little bit more. Well, I felt like, yeah, they sort of, and they, they did that thing that they do on television where they kind of crammed it, where they do on broadcast TV, where they sort of crammed it up a little little bit so it ended up there was like three episodes one week so it only actually went for about four weeks i think okay um maybe a little bit longer but um yeah i'd love to just see it like once a week over a sort of an eight week period would be fantastic um I uh, yeah, I just can't wait to you know keep keep going along with this. I was particularly surprised with how good um, Will Arnett is in it, considering exactly what you say. He always makes he, he plays these. I've been watching you know uh, Thirty Rock as well, which I always watch, and his character in there is the, this kind of the the best parodied version of himself doing that kind of really over the top, um, self centered, self obsessed uh, style character that I guess he 
pioneered in Arrested Development. But um, yeah, he's just uh, he's he's doing a fan- he's a really great choice of a host, and he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, now a show that I came across recently that I don't know if I've talked about it on a podcast here it was a show called Making It. Which is Amy Poehler and Nick No, Hoffman. you did talk about it we on here. About it yeah, here. yeah, yeah. And I really came to really quite like that one. Essentially, it's a reality show where instead of baking pies or whatever the usual thing is, like they're making arts you, and crafts. You really don't watch much reality television. It's all it's all baking. It's pies. all just baking pies, yeah, right? That's what I understand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like they're it's like crafters like crafting things. Yeah, and much like Lego Masters, there's a sense of building and there's yeah. a lot of creativity that goes into it. And not to say there isn't creativity in baking a nice pie because I know that suddenly happens. Okay, but there's just something about sort of arts and crafts that I think speaks to me just a little bit more generally. And so I'm a little bit more interested in seeing Will Arnett hosting a Lego yeah. Masters. Because I meant to watch the Australian one, but your enthusiasm just turned me off it. <laughs> yeah, I can understand. <laughs> um, it was very pushy. But yeah, I'm just kind of curious to see that. Because if it's sort of as, on a piece with what they've done with making it, like, yeah. it just kind of speaks to, I guess, maybe what I'd like from reality shows rather than what I usually get from them. Yeah, and it's and it's that great thing too where like they've really captured the same vibe as the Australian one, which is something that I also really loved about it, is that it's competitive, of course, and you know there's a little bit of drama with some of the characters and all that kind of stuff um and an interesting thing where that some of that's created is that often uh i think with there's quite a few couples that the show have put together i say couples i mean teams mm. where the show's actually you know had one person at each because it's a kind of a it's a bit of an insular uh thing this you know this whole lego building thing and um Often, I think uh, there will probably be one one person who is a lot more in, in, involved in it than, than maybe their partner or something like that. So, um, you know, there's a, there's some potential for a little bit of friction there with people that don't know each other very well and have to work together and maybe have come from oh, completely so they're different not, styles. Like, pre-established teams. Not all. I, I can tell. Like they don't advertise the fact, but I know there was a few in the first one where people had been brought together, and they did mention with one of the couple with one of the teams that they hadn't actually built anything together before they came onto the show. So that just seems unfair. Well, let's. See, I guess they. These people had a lot of talent in their own perspective, in their own respective ways. And yeah, but there's something different that's about like a single, um, you know, it's performer much- versus like a team performance. Like, yeah, because with a team, like, there's a lot of give and take that needs to happen in that sort of relationship. So not only are they navigating creativity, but they're also navigating a relationship at the same time. Yeah. So, and, and but I guess you know, in defense of that, it works differently. Like, so if, if it's somebody that you've known for a long time and that you've built Lego with, there was a team in the Australian one who were just adorable, which was like a teenage boy and his grand. And, um, you know, there was, there was great stuff to watch about their relationship and how that worked. But then there was a team of uh, two guys that had just been chucked together. And so watching them kind of navigate, I think, I think both have pros and cons and, you know, challenges and things that make it easier. So, it kind of... I don't think it distracts... distracts from, I, I'm not going to let you say anything bad about it. I'm just thinking about, like, if I sort of compare it to what we're doing here on a podcast, which is that I've known you for, some would argue, way too long. And so coming <laughs> in each... I week, certainly would. <laughs> I mean, I would not disagree. <laughs> uh, when I come in here, it's like fitting us like an old glove, an old shoe. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know, well-worn shoe that people have yes, used thanks. many, many times before. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And so if I came in with someone that I've never really met before, if I just teamed up with someone, chance I would probably do something amazing together... But it wouldn't be the same. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, and I think that's part of the that's that that's definitely something. There's there's interesting ways to look at how that works for both. I think. Mm. Um, I, I want you to watch it. That's your homework <laughs> this week. Is to watch at least one episode of um, Lego Masters and tell me what you think. I'll give it a look, but I've got forty episodes of Terrace House to get through. <laughs> I understand. Keep you on schedule. Uh, so, are you going to do one more? I've got one more. All right, excellent. Oh, that's Lego Masters uh, US. It's on Fox in the US, and I'm sure that means it'll be on Foxtel here at some point. Uh, Does maybe. it mean that? I don't know. I don't uh, know how these things work. It can. 
can, perhaps. Yeah. Can. I'm not sure who's got the rights to the US one here. Me neither. Mm. Chris, I want to talk to you about a new ABC, that's Australian ABC, mm-hmm. Australian Broadcasting Commission. I'm familiar with it. Corporation? C- corporation, I think. Corporation, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, the C. Yeah. The Australian Broadcasting C. <laughs> uh, the Australian Broadcasting C TV show, Stateless. Why don't you return my calls? I've been leaving messages for weeks. I've been busy. What is this place? It's a dance studio. Dance classes at $400 a week. How do you know that? I've seen your bank statement. You went through my mail. Well, we were worried about you. I don't care. You've got no right to do that. Your landlord rang me and told me that there's 20 people living in your apartment. We're rehearsing for our dancer, Stedford. You're you're in an Stedford. How old are you? 12? I'm the lead dancer. Congratulations, Sophie. That's really great news, Sophie. Okay, fine, whatever. Just call mum and dad. Do you know why I don't return your calls? It's because of you and mum. You're always judging me and telling me what to do. You know, you might have the perfect house and the perfect family, but you've never taken a risk in your life. You need to take your suit off, Margot. Chris, did you watch Stateless, which debuted on Sunday night here? I didn't. I actually expect you to have watched this. Why? I don't know. It just kind of seemed like the sort of thing that, that your partner may have watched, made you watch. Is it? Does it have LGBTIQ content? It does not. Um, I, I know she loves two things, which is LGBTIQ content and monster trucks. Yes. And it doesn't feature either of those things. <laughs> True. Is this a... Uh, let me guess. This is a political show. Uh, okay. So, let me read you the logline from the IMDb. Please do. Only because that was right in front of me as I looked down. Inspired by true events, a woman is escaping a cult, a refugee fleeing Ooh. his family, or fleeing with his family, that means something quite different, <laughs> a father trapped in a dead-end job, and a bureaucrat on the verge of a national scandal find their lives entwined in an immigration detention centre. Ah, finally, we're getting some good content out of all these people in, locked away in jails. This is great. It's uh, all going to be worth it. So, as it said, it was inspired by true events, my understanding being that the... Uh, main character through the first episode is Von Strahovski, who people who know as the Australian actress from The Handmaid's Tale mm-hmm. and the show Chuck, and from the Peter Hellyer movie I Love You Man, <laughs> or I Love You Too. <laughs> Thanks, Love You Too. I can't remember. I, I met her on the red carpet for that in Brisbane. Hey, excellent. And the red carpet was literally like a meter long, hey, that's just outside of like the power. I know the Dendy. It's not. A, it's side. not cheap to rent that stuff. I've tried to get it before. It's like 160 bucks a meter. Yeah, and they spent all 160 dollars on this. <laughs> Is she, that a, she was very nice. I'm be, I'll bet. And Peter Hallett was very nice as well. I'm sure. Yeah. He Anyhow. seems lovely. Uh, he's fine. Anyway, Yvonne Strahovski's in this. Uh, predominantly, the first episode is kind of through her eyes for the most part, but that's largely because you've got four different storylines. One of the characters you don't actually meet in the first episode. Okay, but you've got four main characters. So, Yvonne Strahovski, where I think that the lion's share of the first episode is based around her because she's a single character. Her character is based a little bit on Cornelia Rao, mm-hmm. if you remember her. Yes, from, absolutely. When was that? Late 90s? Yeah. Early, mid, early mid 90s? 2000s, maybe? Early 2000s? Yeah. I, know, I remember it being a thing. So, this is a woman who had some uh, mental or emotional difficulties and was in a detention center claiming to be someone that she wasn't until they worked out who she was. And it was all just like this sort of terrible, sad story that took place and really spoke to a lot of the infrastructure problems that exist within detention centers like this. 2004. 2004. Mm, yeah. Late, late, later. 
Uh, so you've got her character, and with this, she's a airline uh, steward. She's uh, dealing with like a little bit of emotional uh, baggage in her uh, personal life. Her parents are very much on her about why she isn't doing more with her life than the sort of globe-trotting, you know, life that she has. And she very much speaks it up, but you get the feeling that it isn't all that she necessarily says that it is. Uh, her sister, who's a little bit more successful and a little bit more traditional in her career choices and life choices, she's on her as well. And so she's just feeling a lot of pressure at home, and she gets involved in what's. Uh, described, I think, in some of the notes I read as a suburban cult. Uh, so it's yeah. it's a cult that's set up as a dance studio. And so she goes in there as a dancer. And as you realize by the end of the first episode, she's paying $400 to be like part of this dance studio every week. Like That's a lot of money per that's week to be paying. That's a lot of money every week. Uh, but you realize it's actually a bit more of a cult than what it originally comes across as being. Uh, she ends up losing her job because she tries dancing while giving the safety instructions on the plane. That's a no-no, Chris. Right. Take it from me. I know this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so she goes back to the cult. Uh, they're like, no, no, it's fine. We'll look after you. But then there's a very public moment where she more or less gets pushed out of the club. And you realize as a viewer, it's because she's not paying fees anymore. And it's not because of, you know... Uh, what they claim that it is. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so, with that, I should just point out, like, there's an amazing cast of, uh, like, supporting actors in this as well. So, within that cult, the cult leader is played by Dominic West, who you'd know from The Wire, as well as a whole bunch of yep. like, other stuffs. Kate Blanchett, you've heard of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's uh, the partner of Dominic West's character in it. Uh, coming into it for... Actually, no, sorry. Uh, her sister was played by Marta Dusseldorp, who's in every Australian production ever at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren Gilshanen is one of the people at the Immigration Detention Centre. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know him by face, but I guarantee not by name. But when I show you his face, which is this guy, you know exactly who I mean. Ah, uh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. He's like in every Australian thing ever. Yeah, yeah. He's good. Yeah. No, like, he is good. I like him. Uh, so that's her storyline. And then you've got a family who are trying to escape from Afghanistan, and they're really in the hands of uh, some... People who claim to be organising like a boat for them to escape to Australia on. The thing is, they're being scammed entirely. So it's about the uh, emotional struggle of the father in the family to sure. be able to make sure that his family, because the youngest of their children is suffering from, I forget what it's essentially bad flu. I can't remember exactly yeah. what it is. It might be malaria. Yeah, I forget. Uh, I watched it a few days ago. Uh, so you've got that sort of going on. So he's got that personal struggle to make sure that his family can, you know get some money again because they've just given all their money away to the people who've just scammed them out of it and also try to get them to Australia which he gets them into a boat but he's separated from them so effectively we're going to follow his storyline through but we're sort of seeing them as a family unit so none of them really necessarily break out as characters but you get the feeling he's going to be the central character sure especially because at the end of the episode there's the coming next week and you see the dramatic moment where he's showing photos of his family so get through Uh, you've got Jai Courtney who is one of these Australian actors who seems to appear in everything in the US for a couple of years until they realise that the audiences don't actually really care about these actors, and so they start to fade away. And so as part of his fade away part of his career from the US, I think he was in a Suicide Squad movie, uh, as part of his fade away, he's now in Stateless, and he's actually fairly charismatic in this, where I hadn't really seen that from him previously. Oh, yeah, I know that guy too. I yeah. just look at his mug. So maybe I hadn't really paid attention to him before, but in this, it's definitely a, you know interesting role. He's a young guy who's just gotten his first job at this immigration detention center, and we see literally like his first moments on the job at the very end of this episode. So you get the feeling that his humanity is going to come into question you know, as the show goes on. I reckon next time you talk, mention him, can you please call him Jai, a good day to die hard. 
Courtney. Oh, that's right. That's what I really know him from. <laughs> that might be where my disdain for him really came from. Man, that film is terrible. I don't even think I've seen it. That's just weird. Uh, look, I hope that you can keep on living that life. Live Has your it be- got Kevin Smith in it? No, that's the oh, one beforehand. That's the one I gave up on. That's uh, Live Free and Die Hard. <laughs> uh, and then also Asha Ketty joins the show next week. This sounds great. It sounds like a really interesting show. I was just doing some fact-checking and um, Cornelia Real, like heaps of that stuff that you were saying from the character is actually based in reality. Like the yeah. cult stuff and everything was um, part of her real backstory. So, yes, it's very interesting to see um, that coming uh, into a drama. Look, absolutely. So this isn't the first time that Australian drama has tried looking at like immigration detention centres and boot people. Uh, so SBS had their show Safe Harbour a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. And while I think that show was actually fairly successful in what it was trying to do, this one just seems to resonate and hit a little bit harder purely because that show was very much about uh, the sort of struggle of people who made that journey on boats and w- it was kind of told in flashbacks so there yeah. was a dramatic conceit that happened on the boat which a lot of people had guilt related to and so there was a bit of a fake story laid over the Well, that's what I found, like, that's what made it a little bit unrelatable. I mean, not unrelatable, but just, like, uncompelling or something. It it fictionalized something over the top of what's already a very dramatic... Yeah, I I didn't feel like it needed that extra level of um, fiction. Absolutely, and I think that's where that fell apart a little bit. Where I think this works a little bit better is that you're not actually dealing with, like, that fictionalized conceit. You're dealing with uh, someone based on a real-life character, and everyone else, I'm sure, is probably based on real-life fish the characters, but not as high-profile. But you're dealing with all these people, and so the real drama comes from these people once they're actually in an immigration centre. And so all the stories that we've heard about and all the sort of thoughts and projected ideas upon them are either being amplified or they're being rejected as we're watching it. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of interesting... Like, it's, it becomes very watchable. It just becomes like yeah, insanely yeah, yeah. absorbing yeah. going into that. And while I was actually very much taken with each of the stories going through this, like the production quality is really good. Like it's a murderous row of actors. Like this is a great production. Yeah. Okay. Like knowing that they're all heading straight to this detention center. Like I really want to see that. Like if they'd started in the detention center, I don't think I'd have had as strong a connection to it. But just knowing that like there's this like a mountain of doom effectively yeah, yeah. that they're all on like a journey to. And, like, it might sort of hurt the show a little bit, like, getting there only in the second episode. Like, maybe if it took... If it was... Because I think it's probably, like, four or six parts. Yeah. If it was an additional two parts, we saw, like, them really sort of delving into their lives and working towards that. Like, maybe they're sort of greatest be mind from that. I'm not too sure. Like, maybe just that sense of mm. uh, concern about them would build and amplify. But at the moment, like, I'm in. Like, it's... Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, like, it is kicking all the goals that you actually want from all these sorts of productions. Yeah, wow. And the danger of this sort of thing is that it would feel a little bit sort of too woke. Yeah, yeah. To some degree. But it doesn't really play sort of the identity card that much. Like, it's really talking about human drama and making it all very relatable and very... Yeah. Like, I don't want to use words like worthy, because when you hear the phrase worthy, the last thing you want to do is watch that program. Yeah, I don't want to watch anything important or worthy. No. So, I don't want to say that it's an important show, but I think maybe it's sort of you watching it, you feel a sense of importance because you've actually come to the strong performances and the strong setup that have developed around it. Yeah, sure. And while the subject matter itself, I guess one could say is important, but that's not really where I think the um, viewer enjoyment of watching this comes from. Yeah, that's right. And it doesn't necessarily... I think I think this stuff works better when it's not bashing you over the head with its political message and when it's just pointing out the absurdity of the situation and it seems to be doing a good job of that. Absolutely. It's a weighty issue. And I think that the important thing to realize with a weighty issue like this is that people don't want to see a weighty issue dramatized. People want an entertainment that also has like some substance to it. Yeah. And I felt watching this, this is an entertainment with substance behind it. 
rather than just the dramatized, you will watch this because you agree with this uh, yeah, viewpoint yeah. in life and therefore this will resonate with you. And it never does resonate. Yeah, yeah. But this, I think, takes to that step. Awesome. That's a great. Uh, big, uh, a big, big thumbs up from you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Chris, we've covered so many different nationalities and cultures. I know, we've, this. Yeah, we've really been uh, we've really been all over the place in a good way today. I feel, mm. uh, and that's just the beauty of our global world of television, <laughs> streaming, and watching. And oh, I'm sorry, Dan, I that's don't know where do. it's going. Um, but yes, as always, uh, I've got a list of things to watch, a, a list of two things now that I'm going to go and watch, thanks to your, uh, yeah. I did talk about three things, Chris. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to watch one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Chris, it's been a pleasure. We're going to part ways now. We're yes. going to walk off into this dark night. Yes. Actually, the sun's still out. Yeah, but uh, not for long. It is It is evening. Mm. It's five o'clock. I normally have, I've normally had dinner by this time. <laughs> you, um, <laughs> you usually tuck the kids in bed. That's right. Tuck yourself in. Tuck bed. myself in bed while they're still screaming at me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, very good. Uh, hey, I've been really enjoying your newsletter. There's been heaps of great content in it lately. Thanks. And if you'd like to sign up to it, you can do that too at alwaysbewatching.com. Chris, I've really enjoyed the fact that you're not on social media. <laughs> Everybody has, believe me. <laughs> uh, if you want to find Always Be Watching on the socials, though, just do a search for Always Be Watching. You'll that find sh- on whatever platform works, you right? want. Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, whatever. Uh, also, there's the website, alwaysbewatching.com. Uh, I'm on the streets at the Dan Barrett. Yep. Chris sure is on the streets, generally. Just hanging out. Yeah. Sydney or the gong. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get out of here. All right. Yeah. Pleasure, Dan. It has been a pleasure. If you've liked this podcast, tell other people it exists. And of course, you can find it on all your various podcast platforms of choice. Uh, but we'd recommend Spotify because... Mm. Are we know, getting a kickback? We're not getting a kickback. Can I at least get a free Spotify account? But look, here's, here's why I want to talk about the Spotify. Okay. Okay. It's purely because you're listening to it on whatever podcast platform you're on. But when you're talking to your friends saying, hey, look, because you're in the World Health Organization. Because the no, I, I remember. Yes. Yes. That. Coronavirus. When you're talking to someone saying, hey, look, I just listened to this podcast. They were talking about stateless. Like, it was pretty good. I get a few TV recommendations from these guys. They're not very entertaining, but some of their recommendations are okay. Yeah. And then your friend's like, oh, how do I listen to that? And they're not really podcast people. You can say, oh, it's on Spotify. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Because everyone's got Spotify now. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Just about. And so, even if they're not podcast people, they can be Spotify people, which is why I talk up Spotify. Excellent. And hopefully, we'll get free Spotify accounts. Yeah. We're not against that. All right, folks, this has been Always Be Watching. We'll be back next week listening via Spotify. See you, Dan.